Psalm 107. We're going to read just a few verses, and, and, and uh, man, I tell you what, I am thankful to be in the Lord's house. I'm thankful to uh, be with other human beings in the Lord's house. Uh, uh, six or seven weeks of preaching to that camera, uh, I ain't going to lie, it gets old. We do what we got to do, but it is so, so much better when I'm able to see y'all in here with us. Uh, we need to do this. We really need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ. We, we used to have to say, uh, pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ in China and, and other places where it is, it is, uh, they're under, uh, uh, under intense pressure, uh, persecution, uh, where they cannot meet. Uh, but now we got to say we need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Chicago. And right here in the United States. So, so, so I don't know if y'all been keeping up with the news and, and all of that. Uh, but our, our country is in a mess and I don't mean just the Corona either. And so we want to, we want to pray for them, pray for, uh, pastors and churches all over our country for wisdom and guidance and direction and, uh, allow God to tell them what to do and when to do it and how to do it. But then I want to just stop a minute and thank God that we can be able to do this right now. We can be able to uh, uh, to meet and to to study and to worship and and that's what I want to do today. I, I really do. I, I, today I want to kind of celebrate. You know, uh, last week last week it was kind of a not a warning but a more intense type message and and just to uh, help us to understand how important it is. But today I want to celebrate. I I want to I want to just worship and adore Him and just enjoy His presence today. If you're with me, say Amen. Look in, look in Psalm 107, and we'll begin in verse 1 and read down to uh, about verse number 9, all right? Verse 1 through verse number 9. Oh, give, come on, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. You know why? For he's good. Now, I could stop right there. I could stop right there and don't have to say nothing else. And we should shout the victory and holler and carry on and just get giddy with the Lord right there. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Oh, give thanks. Now, now here's the thing. Thanks is an expression of gratitude. Gratitude is a feeling of appreciation for favor that's been given or shown. So basically this, when there is gratitude on the inside, there is an expression of thanks on the outside. Now, now, how do people know that you are, are, how do people know that you have gratitude for something is when they see your expression of thanks. Are y'all with me? And what he's saying here, he's saying, oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? For he is, his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed, oh, hallelujah. Let the redeemed of the Lord Y'all are kind of weak this morning. You didn't get enough Red Bull. Come on now. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gather them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them, watch this now, out of their distresses. And he led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. Oh, say it with me. 
Oh, come on with feelings. Say it with me. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your mercy. And Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your favor upon us. Lord, I pray right now that we can read your word and we can find these reasons and study these reasons that we should praise you and worship you and adore you and love you and thank you and show gratitude and expression of our feeling of, of, of appreciation for what you've done for us. God, I thank you for all that you do. I praise your holy name. You're worthy of our praise. And Lord, we'll praise you, give you glory, give you all the credit and the honor for this day. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Listen, he said, oh, that men would give thanks if they would just show an expression of gratitude. He says this, let the redeemed, and now, now this word redeemed means delivered. It means to rescue from. They've been, and he even says, he gets specific with it. He says, he is rescued from the enemy, the hand of the enemy. Now, some people, some people, some, some commentators believe that this psalm was written, uh, for the, the opening of the second temple. In other words, this was after, this was after the captivity, after that God's people had been, uh, spread abroad and God gathered them in and brought them back home. But the illustration and the application here is that God has delivered. God has redeemed. God has rescued. God has delivered from the hand of the enemy. And we should be thankful. We should have an attitude of gratitude. We should give God glory. We should give God praise. But the problem is, is we are forgetful. Let me say it again. We are forgetful. We have a problem forgetting what God's done for us. We have a problem getting so caught up in life and so caught up with our problems that we start forgetting where we was when God found us, what he'd done for us when he did find us, where he has taken us when all this is said and done. We get so caught up with that that we forget that and we start feeling sorry for ourselves. We start going into whining and complaining and groaning and moaning and we forget how good God is. Do you realize if God never saved us, he's still good? If God never made us a home in heaven, he's still good. God is not good because of what he's done for us. God is good just because he's good. He owns the air that we breathe. He owns everything there is. We are his people, the sheep of his pastor. God is good. I like the second verse. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Let the redeemed of the Lord. Now I believe, I believe God's up to something. And I believe, listen, the last, the Embondo Church this week, uh, last week, Wednesday night, Wednesday night, listen, Embondo Church Monday night, uh, 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 with those men in, in that, in that building, <clears throat> we were studying the demoniac. How many of y'all remember the demoniac? Remember the guy running around naked in the tombs? Nobody could, he was full of demons. Uh, one preacher said he was a new dude in a rude mood. Say amen. 
Nobody could, nobody could bind him. Nobody could help him. Man was helpless, but Jesus showed up and he was seated at Jesus' feet in his right mind. Jesus cast the demons out. And to make a long story short, at the end, Walker, you remember this. You was there. Listen, at the end of this deal, uh, he wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus had to leave. And Jesus said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, you don't need to go with me. He said, I need you to go home to your friends and family and tell them what good things God has done for you. Are y'all with me? Say amen. You know what he's telling him? You know what he's telling him? You see, he's been delivered from the hand of the enemy. And you know what he's telling him? Let the redeemed of the Lord. He said, you need to go back home and say so. You need to go back home and tell somebody what good things God has done for you. And then guess what? Guess what? Then then Wednesday night, Wednesday night, we're going through the book of Acts and we're studying the apostle Paul. And the apostle Paul, uh, listen, they drag him out of the temple and they beat him half to death. And, and, and the soldiers, the centurions come down and they rescue him and they take him up the steps. And he said, hey, hang, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Let me address the crowd. So they gave him permission. He turns around and addresses the crowd. And do you know what he does? He says what good things God has done for him. You know what he does? He tells his story. He tells the people what he was before Jesus. He tells the people how he came to Jesus. And he tells people what his life is after Jesus. You know why? Because he's redeemed. And because he's redeemed, he's going to say so. You me tell you what's wrong with this world? Not enough of the redeemed are saying so. We need to tell people. When's the, I mean, let's, let's be honest. Let's be honest. No, don't raise your hand or nothing. Don't raise your hand or nothing, but let's be honest. When's the last time you told somebody how good God's been to you? Now think about it. I'm talking about just sat down and said, let me tell you something. Let me tell you what God has done for me. All right, let me ask you another question. When's the last time you sat down and complained to somebody about your life? A problem, a situation, the corona. <clears throat> Come on. And we wonder why this world is not turning to Jesus. Now, 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 listen, there's a lot of people looking up at me like you're all innocent. I'm on Facebook with y'all. Don't look at me that way. I see a lot of people getting on Facebook complaining about this and complaining about that. But I'm telling you, there ain't a whole lot of people just getting on there and saying, let me take a moment, let me clear off me a spot so I can testify about how good God's been. Well, I tell you what, according to that chapter, it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Bless God, if he's been good to you, say so. If he's delivered you, say so. If he's provided for you, say so. If it, Are y'all with me? Say so. Now, he didn't stop there. That would have been enough. Well, it would have been enough just to say God's good. That would have been enough. That's all he had to say. That's all he had to say is you need to give thanks because God is good. But he didn't. He said not only that, he said let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those that have been delivered, those that have been rescued, you need to say so. But then he starts giving reasons. Now, actually, actually in this chapter, we don't have time to do it now because they have severely limited my time. There is four different pictures you see here. Four different pictures. You see a man in prison 
who's been delivered, a man with a sickness has been delivered, then, then, then a man in a storm has been delivered. And you know what? All of these pictures, a weary traveler, a weary traveler, a man in prison, a man in a storm, a man with a sick. Listen, all of these picture life, doesn't it? They all illustrate life. They all illustrate where we are as sinners when God finds us. But let's just take the first one. All right. How many of y'all, how many of y'all in here? Wake up, raise one hand. All right, come on, raise the other. Wave it like you just don't care. All right, get the blood flowing. Tuck, can you feel me? Can you feel me? All right, all right. All right, now that y'all are awake, now that y'all are awake. Now, how many of y'all are saved in here? You say, come on now. Now, now, now see, let me, I, I don't see no enthusiasm. <clears throat> let me remind you, lost people go to hell. All right, lost people go to a place where the worm dies not and the fire is not quenched. A place of utter darkness, a place that's absent of the presence of God, a place where that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. That's where you were going when God found you. But let me tell you this. Now you're going to a place where the street is gold and the walls are jasper and the gates are pearl. You're going to a place where the presence of God is. His glory is going to be the light thereof. You're going to a place where he wipes away every tear from their eye, every sorrow. There'll be no more death, no more sickness. Now now, let me ask you a question. How many of y'all in here saved? See the difference? That, that is what this world needs to see. Are y'all saved? That's what's wrong with our society. Now, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why you went from to woo! I just reminded you of what God done for you. Are y'all with me? And you know what he's doing here? Watch this right here. I got to hurry. Lord have mercy. Number one, why should we, why should we give thanks? Why should we come in here and love on God and be so appreciative? Why should we express? Now I'm, I'm, I say this all the time, y'all never believe me, but I'm telling you this is God's truth. I'm shy by nature, and I know a lot of y'all out there are. A lot of y'all out there, I, I know that. And you say, well, I am thankful. I'm just quiet. Well, thanks is an outward expression. Now, if you keep it all on the inside, how is the world going to ever know you're thankful? And what... What will they know you're thankful for if you don't express what you feel? Are y'all with me? Now, watch this, watch this. Why should we, why should we do this? God's good. Why is he good? Why is he good? First, write this down. Write this down. If you're taking notes. And by the way, we have the notes in the, in the, uh, note holders, whatever them things are called on the wall. All right. Uh, uh, here's the deal. He searched the wayward. Why is God good? He searched the wayward. Now, this is significant. I know you don't think that's that big a deal. But the Bible says, the Bible begins to describe, in these verses, it begins to describe where we were, our condition. It says we wandered. We wandered in a solitary way. The word solitary means desolate. It means deserted, desert place. And wandering means we have no sense of direction. We have no sense of guidance. 
It's kind of like, it's kind of like when Jesus saw the, the sheep. You remember when he saw the multitudes and he said he had compassion upon them. He was moved with compassion on them because they were as a sheep that were scattered without a shepherd. They just wandering around. No direction. No God. The Bible says when, when, before we are saved, that's the condition we are in. We are in a deserted place, a desolate place, a place where there's no shelter, a place where there's no substance, a place where there's no supply. That is where we were when he came to me. It said he gathered them out. He gathered them out. You know what that means? He initiated the contact. He initiated. He came to me. I didn't come to him. He came to me. I've heard people say, I found God. No, no, no. He never was lost. You didn't find him. He found you. The Bible says there is none that seeketh after him. He initiated the contact. He initiated the salvation. He came to you before you came to him. We love him because he first loved us. Are y'all with me? said, I waited patiently on the Lord and he inclined unto me and he heard my cry and he brought me up also out of a horrible pit. I couldn't get to him because I was in a pit. I was in a miry clay. Somebody say amen. One of the greatest illustrations is, is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. I don't really like using words that I can't spell. Say amen. But Mephibosheth was the son. He was the son of Jonathan. And if you don't know the story, it's one of the sweetest, most beautiful pictures in the Bible of salvation. All through the Old Testament, God gives you one picture after another, after another, after another that illustrates the salvation that he is offering to mankind in the world. And let me draw this out for you. King Saul was the first king of Israel. King David was the second king of Israel, official king of Israel. He was the anointed one. He was the little shepherd boy. Are y'all with me? He was God's anointed king. And you, if you remember, Saul didn't like that. And he tried over and over to kill David. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And, and Jonathan was Saul's son. Jonathan was Saul's son. Well, Jonathan and David were good buddies. They were best friends. And God kind of knit their souls together. They were great buddies. It ended up, making a long story short, Saul and Jonathan both died. Saul and Jonathan both died in battle. Jonathan had a son. His name is Mephibosheth. Listen, when the nursemaid found out that Saul and Jonathan had been killed, they were afraid because usually in the in that culture, the, the, the enemy would come in and kill all the family of the former royalty. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So she picked him up and was going to flee with him and dropped him and he became a cripple. He became lame on his feet. And for a long time, there he was in Lodibar, a place, a desolate place. You know what Lodibar means? It means no thing, no thing, nothing. He didn't have anything. He didn't have hope. He didn't have help. He didn't have a life. He didn't have a future. He was technically the enemy of the king, the enemy of King David. But let me tell you this. King David had a love for Jonathan and his people. And he said, is there any left of his house that I may show kindness to him? And they said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. His name's Mephibosheth. But let me tell you, he's lame on his feet. And you know what David said? Go get him. Go get him. And they go. Can you imagine? Can you imagine 
Mephibosheth is hiding out because he's afraid. Because if they find out who he is and they find out where he is, he is done for. He'll never make it. Can you imagine him as he hears those chariots coming into town and they know it's the king's chariot. They know this is coming straight from the palace. And them old soldiers go in there and they pick him up and carry him to the king's chariot and they carry him to the palace and now he's sitting at the king's table. Preacher, what are you saying? That is a picture of God coming to me. I was helpless. I was hopeless. I was lame in my spirit. I was dead and my trespasses in and sin. I was an enemy to God, but God loved me anyway and came to where I was and took me to be where he is. He initiated. Don't ever brag about coming to God because you didn't. He came to you. You couldn't come to him. He initiated it. He came seeking for you. Somebody say amen. Listen, we see the contact that was initiated, the care, the care. That was illustrated. I gotta hurry. There's no, there's no, there's no, there's no better picture than the woman at the well. No better picture than the woman at the well to illustrate this. The care of our sweet Lord Jesus. He sends, he sends his disciples on in to the village there. You remember the woman at the well of Samaria? Y'all still with me? Wake up. Y'all still with me? Amen. Listen, he sends them on. You know why? Because they were racist. They were racist. He said, how do you know that? Because they were blown away that he even talked with them when they come back. And so here he is sitting at the well. And he, make a long story short, I don't have time, but make a long story short, go read it. He, he, he leads her to himself. She becomes a believer. Now here's the key. She had so many strikes against her. One, she was a woman. Two, she was a Samaritan. Jews hated Samaritans and Samaritans hated Jews. But thank God Jesus looks past all of that. How many of y'all are glad Jesus looked past your problems and saw your need? He looked past our past. He looked past our failures and our weakness and saw our need. Jesus didn't care about who she was. Jesus didn't care about what she did. He came and delivered her soul. And my, my favorite part of that whole chapter is the Bible says she left her pot there. And I always wondered about that. She came for water. She came for water. Why would she leave her pot there? Because she walked off with the well. Say amen. Jesus said, I'll give you a, a well of water springing up in everlasting life. You don't need a pot when you got the well. Amen. Anyway, number two, number two. How many of you today, you, you said you were saved again. Let's, let's see that survey. How many of y'all are saved? Come on. You realize that's all him? He came to you. He initiated. He initiated the contact. He came to you. Number two. Number two. Quickly. Mercy. Quickly. He not only searched the wayward. He supplied the way. He supplied the way. Look at verse seven. Verse seven. And he. What's that word? Come on everybody. And he. He led them forth by the right way. There's two things I want you to write underneath that and then we'll, and then, and then we'll talk about it, all right? Just, so just go ahead and write them down. Just write them down. Two things he supplied, deliverance, deliverance and direction. Deliverance and direction. <clears throat> now, I don't have to talk about deliverance because we already did. <clears throat> 
You could not fix your situation. He came to you. You could not save yourself. You say, preacher, I'm going to turn over a new leaf. You can turn over every leaf in the forest and it ain't going to fix you. Salvation is not by what we do, it's by what He does. Are y'all with me? He delivers us. He delivered, He delivered us from the hand of the enemy. I was once in the hands of the devil. I was once under the control and bondage of the devil, but He delivered me. Say amen. But then this is, this is what I want you to get. He didn't stop there. This is so important. He didn't stop there. The Bible says after he delivered, then he led the way. Say it with me. Then he, you see, he not only supplied deliverance, he supplied direction. Direction. How many of y'all remember, how many of y'all remember when, when Jesus was talking to the, uh, uh, the disciples when right before his arrest, y'all remember? Right before his arrest, he's talking to them. John 13, he says, I'm going to die and I'm going to have to leave. What? What do you mean you're going to have to leave? We, we've done, we've done left everything to follow you. We've left our, listen, everything. We've left our careers. We, we, we left our boats and our nets and all. Oh, we're, we're following you and you're going to leave. And that's where John 14 comes in. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. But later on, you know what else he said? I will not leave you comfortless. I will send the comforter. You know what he's saying? I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send some help. Now, I don't know about you, I don't know about you, but I hope you understand that we wouldn't make it in this world without our comforter. I remember when I remember when Andrew uh, was in that bad wreck, and y'all, most of y'all remember that several years ago. And we were in the we were in the waiting room outside of the neuro uh, intensive care unit in Huntsville, and there's like a little hallway that all the family and and friend they'd have to wait out there till the the the, the time where they'd let you in for a few minutes and. And, and, and I was there and, and Holly was there and, and several different ones because Andrew had a crowd all the time. And, 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 and he always had a bunch of people there for support and loved him. And, and I, I just happened to look over there. I just happened to look over there and, and there was this young girl that was sitting on the floor with her knees pulled up and her arms around her knees with her head down. And she was crying. And I couldn't take it, man. I, I'm telling you, I, I just can't, I, I can't take that stuff. And so I went, I went and knelt down beside her and, I said, I said, sis, is there anything I can help you with? Are you okay? And, and she didn't have any family. She didn't have any family. The only family she had was her mom, and her mom was on life support. And she, she was there all alone. And man, my heart just broke. And, and I, I looked over and I looked along the wall, and, 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 and Brother Andrews, had family and friends and just, just, and here this young lady is all by herself. And man, I got to thinking, can you imagine being in this world and all the problems and all the difficulty and all the suffering and all the pain and all the hurt and all the tragedy feeling alone? Well, guess what? You don't have to. 
You don't have to. You know why? Because Jesus promised to send a comforter, a leader, a teacher, a guide, someone to help you. Preacher, I don't know if I can live this life. You can't alone. Well, I don't know what's right or wrong. That's good. That's good because he does. I love when people call me. I love it. I love it when people call me. Call me, preacher, I, I was just curious about this. I was wondering, and they were talking about doing something or being a part of a certain behavior. And I just wanted to know if it was wrong or not. Number one, you lying. You lying. You wouldn't be calling me unless you already knew it was wrong. The only reason you calling me is because you're hoping I can ease your conscience about it. Because I know the same Holy Ghost that's in me is in you. And if he's already told you wrong, you think I'm going to tell you any different? Hello. Come on now, let's be honest. God knows. You, you, don't, you don't have to have a preacher or a teacher to tell you whether something's right or not. You know good and well because the Holy Spirit's done told you. Do I have a witness? Come on. Some of y'all look up. We're not praying. Come on, look up. Right? He did not just deliver and say, okay, do the best you can. No, he's walking with us. He's walking with us. He's guiding us. He's helping us. Man, we can't, we cannot make it in this world alone. And thank God we don't have to. Why is God good? Well, he, he delivered me. Why is God good? Well, because he's directing me. He's helping me. Do I fall down? Absolutely. But he sure helped me back up. But anyway, all right, number three. We got to be done. Number three. What was number one? What was number one? It's right there in your notes. God's good because he does what? Say it again. How many of y'all are glad God came looking for you? He searches the way where number two, he what? How many of y'all are glad that he didn't tell you to do the best you can? You know, some, do you realize some denominations are teaching you that you, you, you gotta be good to get in? Now they won't, they won't actually come out and say that. They'll tell you it's by grace and grace alone. But if you don't act right, in other words, you can't be good enough to get in, but you gotta be good enough to keep it. Well, let me tell you what that is. Let me tell you what that is. That's baloney. O-S-C-A-R-M-E-Y-E-R-S. Oscar Mayer Baloney. I don't know how I remembered how to spell that. Hey, man, that's a miracle of God. Thank God for commercials. Hey, man, Phil, y'all. That's garbage. And number one, we don't have to do it anyway. Because when he delivered us, he put his spirit in me. And he's leading the way. And he's big enough to correct me when I get sideways and straighten me up and encourage me when I get down. Amen? Number three, number three, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. I love this one. Verse nine, verse nine. Well, go back to verse eight. Go back to verse eight. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse nine. For he satisfies, say it with me, for he, the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. 
You say, what's he do? He searched the wayward, he supplied the way, and he satisfied the weary. He satisfied the weary. He talks about a hungry soul and a longing soul. For the hungry soul, he gives provisions to live on. He gives provisions to live on. Uh, let me let me see if I can illustrate the word satisfied. Uh, Brother Doug, one day I was working in Augusta, Georgia. It was right after I resigned Long Branch, and 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 uh, which I've always been poor, so I'm used to that. That's not no issue. But I, I had I had a certain amount of money in my pocket that I knew what I could get at McDonald's. Are you with me? I know. I mean, when you're poor, you know how to work that thing and get the most most food for your dollar, especially when you're a fat boy like me. You work it. Amen. Well, my buddy, my buddy, he just want. There was a German restaurant that he just wanted to try. Just wanted to try. Wanted to try. And and I'm like, I, I, I'm not. I'm not so sure about that. I, I don't know because I've got. You know, I, I I've gone. Uh, somebody took me to Carabas several years ago and and told me what to get, and it was the greatest thing I ever had in my life. And so so for 15 years now, I've never got anything else but that every time I go. Number one, you can only go when you get a gift card. Say, man. And you know you ain't going to go for a while, so you better get it in case it's bad. My wife says, try something else, try something else, and she'll try something else. I said, well, you can try anything you want to try, but just know this. When you get yours and you don't like it, you ain't getting a bite of mine. Well, he, he's wanting this, he's wanting this German food. And so I give in, I give in, I know how much money I got, and I know when I spend this, I ain't going to have nothing else. And so, so we get, we get the plate and it comes and it, and it, it, it's not a plate for a fat boy. Are y'all with me? And I eat everything on that plate. I'm telling you, Griggs, I ate everything on that plate. I did everything but lick the porcelain off of that plate. And I was still, but now I'm hungry and broke. Now, when you're hungry and you got a little bit of money, you've got some hope that you can remedy that situation. But when you broke and hungry and you know you can't do nothing about it, that's a terrible feeling. Are y'all with me say man? When you go in there and you're expecting fulfillment, you're expecting satisfaction, and there's no greater feeling in this world, no greater feeling in this world, when you sit at the table and you can get up and there's still some left, but you don't want no more. That is satisfied. One, one, uh, uh, one, brother, do you remember brother Billy Kelly? Brother Billy Kelly, he was an evangelist and he was about, he was about four foot tall and 450 pounds. <clears throat> Am I exaggerating? Biggest human being I've ever seen in my life. He said, my greatest fear in life is to die a hungry man. (laughs) He said, I wanted to be fulfilled and satisfied. And I'm telling you, there's no feeling like being satisfied, like feeling fulfilled and having all you want. But let me tell you something. There's no worse feeling than being unfulfilled in life, being unfulfilled in ministry, being unfulfilled in our marriages, being unfulfilled in our careers. Let me tell you something. You don't have to stay there because fulfillment doesn't come out of a spouse. Fulfillment doesn't come from a career. Fulfillment doesn't come from money. It doesn't come from popularity. Power of fame. Fulfillment comes from the hand of God. 
Listen, Solomon said it in Ecclesiastes. He said, I bought all there was to buy. I did all there was to do. If there was to see, I saw it. I had entertainment, wine, women, and song. I had everything this world has to offer. And it was all vanity, vanity. All is vanity. And that means empty. You know what that means? That means everything that this world is promoting to fulfill your life and to satisfy you, it'll leave you feeling empty. It'll leave you feeling unfulfilled. But if you will sell out to God, if you will surrender to Him and follow Him, He will fulfill the longing soul. He will give you provisions to live on. And then be, watch this, a purpose to live for. A purpose to live for. You know, there's there's too many people living for the wrong things. They're living for their job. They're living for their hobby. They're living for their sport, which has just turned to idolatry. Their whole life is centered, surrounded by, I love coon hunting, but they'll act great one night and act like a something else the next night. Come on, Phil, y'all say amen right there. Listen, everything's that way. Everything's that way. People. How many of y'all got kids in here? Raise your hand. Okay, let me try this again. How many of y'all got kids and aren't ashamed to say it? Raise your hand. How many of y'all learn now that you never brag on them scoundrels? Because they they will let you down. But you know what? If your purpose is to serve God, you will be fulfilled. If your purpose is entertainment, if your purpose is fame, power, money, if you're living for something other than God's will for your life, you're going to be sorely disappointed. Sorely disappointed. I'm telling you, I'm telling Brother Doug, you're probably the only one in this room that can appreciate this. Because you're the only preacher I see out there. There may be some more, I, I don't know, but without a doubt, and if I just say it, you're probably not going to believe me. But Brother Doug's out there and, and, Brother Doug, how long do you pastor? Like 700 years? Forever? Now, if I say this, you're going to think I'm exaggerating. But, Brother Doug, would you not do this for free any day of the week? For nothing. People say, well, we pay you to preach. No, you don't. I do this for free. This is, this is, this is, matter of fact, I couldn't not do this. Paul said this, woe unto me. Woe unto me. Because this is my purpose. It's what God called us to do. And you know what will happen if you get saved and you submit and surrender to Christ and you say, God, I want your will to be done and not my own will. You not, you not only get to go to heaven. You you not only get your name in the Lamb's book of life. You not only get hell proof. That, 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 that's not all. But guess what? 
you get a purpose. You get a reason for living. You get a, you get a reason for breathing. And God will begin to fulfill and satisfy. Oh, but pre- see, this world's gonna mess us all up. This world said, oh, if you had that man, or if you had that woman, or if you had that bigger house, or that newer car, and all that, all that garbage. But guess what? You can have none of that and be more fulfilled and satisfied than the one that has it all. Well, I just don't believe that. Well, tell that to all the multi-billionaires that are committing suicide because they don't have no reason to live. Ask the one who's living in a dirt floor grass hut that's happier than a fat baby in a phone booth with a pocket full of quarters and don't even have a pocket full of quarters. But yet every time you see them, they got a smile that wide. And if you ask them, you know what they're going to tell you? God is so good. You know why? Because God's fulfilled them. And God has satisfied them. Because this is what Solomon learned. Let me, let's turn it. Let's turn it. I didn't plan on this, but let's do it because this is so good. And, and we're done. We're done. So just, just, just don't get nervous. Look what it says. In Ecclesiastes 2, they might not have time to get it there, but this is what, this is what, this is what I want you to see. Now this is after, this is after Solomon's search. He said, I'm going to look under the sun and under the sun's a key word. You know, we talked about this. We talked about this in the baccalaureate with the teenagers because I want them to understand that everything this world's pushing down their throat that they have to have to be fulfilled and satisfied is a lie. It's a lie because God let one human being on this earth have it all, everything this earth has to offer. And Miss Amanda, that response to that heckler was great. It was awesome. Anyway, you you know what I'm talking about. I mean, no argument. Just Anyway, it was awesome. Anyway, verse 24. Watch this. This is after the search. This is after he was left empty by everything that this world had to offer. Watch what he says. In, in Ecclesiastes 2.24, there is nothing better for a man than that he should eat and drink and that he should make his soul enjoy good in all his labor. This, this, what is this? The, the ability to enjoy your stuff. The ability to enjoy your stuff. There's people that have stuff, but they can't enjoy it. How many of y'all know you can buy a bed but not sleep? You can buy food but not an appetite. You can buy a house, but not a home. Y'all with me? Why? Because this, all those things, the ability to enjoy what you have. This also I saw that it, the ability to enjoy your stuff, it was from the hand of God. Yeah. You can have every single thing that you want in life and not even want it. Because the ability to enjoy it, the ability to be satisfied and fulfilled doesn't come with the accumulation of stuff. It comes from the hand of God. You know why the psalmist said God is so good? Because he came looking for me. And he's leading the way. He didn't lead me by myself. He didn't lead me to do this thing all by myself. And he satisfies 
and fulfills my life. And it all comes, according to Solomon, from the hand of the Lord. Let me ask you in closing. When's the last time you said so? When's the last time you said so? What do you mean said so? Let the redeemed of the Lord When's the last time you said so? When's the last time you told somebody just how good God has been to you? Let's face it, guys. We know he saved us. We know he's guiding us and leading us. We know he's our comforter. We know he's not left us all on our own. We know he supplies, but sometimes we forget. I'm just here to remind you today. Let the redeemed of the Lord Will you do that this week? Will you find somebody and say, will you give me just a minute to tell you how good God's been to me? How many of y'all will help me do that this week?